The Accelerator Podcast is here. I'm your host on tap, Monty King, inviting you to leave ordinary in the dust. Every next level of our lives demands a better version of ourselves. Our guests will inspire you to close the gap. What doesn't happen by design happens by default, so the content on tap is created for listeners to learn and grow. Visit us online at whatsontap.tv or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, tap five stars and drop us a review. Hit the notification bell to never miss an episode and share your favorites to help others outrun the status quo. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Accelerator Podcast. I'm your host on tap, Monty King, and my guest today is a game changer. Trey Griggs is a husband, a father, hashtag girl dad, uh, and magnifies the Lord by helping logistics companies drive revenue as the CEO and founder of Beta Consulting Group. His core values are the foundation of his being, and his vision is inspiring, and his mission pierces through to the mindsets, heart sets, and soul sets of everybody around him. Uh, His passion to tame the untamable and provide clarity from confusion Improving reputations by building brands that matter is like having your own personal flux capacitor that moves you into a healthier and wealthier financial future. Even his hair has its own brand and more income than I do. Trey, welcome to the show. And I'm dying, I'm dying to ask you, would you prefer T flux or Mr. Capacitor? I got it. <laughs> well, the fact that you use flux capacitor, we're already off to a good start. Monty, thanks so much for having me on the program today. It's a, it's a light, delight to be here with you. Absolutely, man. I, I'm, I'm excited about this and excited to um, just learn a little bit more about you and um, your company. Now, you started BCG early in 2022. Why then? Why the name and why the focus on logistics companies? Yeah, I actually started the LLC in 2018. I've had this kind of entrepreneurial desire for a long time, started back probably in 2015 or 16. I formed the LLC, but I still didn't do anything with it because I just lacked a lot of courage. And then in January of 2022, you know, market conditions really kind of pushed me in that direction. And I say both in, in the business world, but also at home. So my wife is relatively risk averse as, uh, you know, some spouses can be when you have an entrepreneur in the house. Uh, it's kind of how we're, we're, we find each other. Opposites do attract. But, you know, she saw an, like an unfulfillment in me and a, a dissatisfaction with the work that I was doing. And uh, came to me like in October of 2021 and said, you just need to do your own thing. You know, like you need to, you need to do that. I think she could see that. And so with, with, with that uh, encouragement from her and some uh, market conditions, it made sense for me to go ahead and, and get started and make the jump. And it's one of those things that I often say is like when you're on top of a cliff, you know, 50 foot jump and it, I mean, it's, it looks scary, you know, it, it's definitely more scary up there than from the water for sure. Mm-hmm. But when you're up there and it's scary, like you, you can talk yourself out of it in many ways. But if you just take the jump, you realize, you know what, this isn't so bad. In fact, this is actually kind of fun. And I want to do it again. Why didn't I do this sooner? And now you're encouraging other people to do the same thing. And so that's how I feel about the entrepreneurial journey is that it just took me a while to jump. But now that I have, I, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. And I'm encouraging other people who have great ideas and have those visions, those dreams that they just can't part ways with to say, listen, 
get started, go bet on yourself. If it's part-time side hustle, do that. If you feel like it's full-time and you want to jump into it, do it, but don't pass up the opportunity to create that vision or dream that you have in your, in your mind. I think it's so powerful. And I think the world's a better place when we do that. So to answer your question about the name. So back in 2011, I started blogging. I love to write. I love to uh, communicate. I was a communication major in college, wrote for the newspaper, sports editor for, for college newspaper, and I've always enjoyed writing. And I started writing in 2011. And the theme that I just kept coming back to was this theme of excellence. You know, in, in the Bible, it says that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. And I believe there's excellence built into that. And what I, what I started to realize is that, you know, we as people, we know what it means to be excellent in the roles that we are given. So we know what it means to be an excellent son or daughter. We know what it means to be an excellent spouse. We know what it means to be an excellent parent. The question is not what we know, it's what we actually do. And so I kind of came up with this theme or this idea to encourage people to be excellent today. You know, tomorrow's gone uh, or tomorrow's not promised and yesterday's gone. We can't do anything about it. But today, we can choose to pursue excellence in what we're doing. And that means, you know, if I'm at home being present with my wife, being kind to my family, being a leader, um, getting off my phone, or there's many things that we know that we can do that really help us become excellent in these roles that we play. So it was about encouraging people to be excellent today. Well, th the first three letters, B-E-T, I had to come up with an A. <laughs> and I came up with this idea of community and I used the word alliance. And so it was the Be Excellent Today Alliance. And it's me encouraging this community of people around me, my network, my, my community of, of friends and family and followers to pursue excellence. And so I just came up with beta and that's why it's capitalized because it's an acronym. So beta consulting group is where that comes from. And it doesn't hurt that I work with a lot of logistics technology companies. And so of course you talk about, you know, um, you know, things being in beta uh, from a technology standpoint all the time. So it kind of works out well in that way, but it really originated from this idea of wanting to encourage people to pursue excellence. So was that part of your branding style to have beta be part of the logistics and, and you know, no, I, no, I wish, I wish I could say I was, I was clever enough to think of that. I actually, actually had somebody who said, Oh, beta, like, you know, like technology, like, you know, testing things out. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess so. I didn't, I just didn't put it together right away. I wish I could have taken credit for that, but no. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Though, the way it works out. It's, it's awesome. So let's talk about, um, let's talk to the entrepreneurs that are listening. They've decided to jump off that cliff, right? Why does branding matter after they've decided they're in midair, they're falling down, getting ready to splash? Yeah, well, I would say this. I just saw a text actually from um, Andrew. I think it's Gudzlecki. I can't remember. I can't pronounce his last name. But anyways, he's an entrepreneur encourager as well, and he just talked about the importance of building your network. And I would echo what he said. I've said this to many people who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. If somebody asked me for advice on, on being an entrepreneur, I'd say take six months and build your network. If you take six months and really build out your network, you're building out distribution channels. You're building out opportunities for yourself. I received the benefit of that because in 2018, I started building my network and 2019 and, and, and a little bit more um, uh, consistently and intentionally. And I started to um, gather a little bit of a following, uh, building a network. People started to know who I am, what I cared about, what I did, what my skill sets were, those types of things. And I wish again, I could say that I did that intentionally, you know, leading up to starting a company, but I didn't. But what I realized is that having a really good network. And at the time, I think on LinkedIn, I had a network of about 4,000 followers, not, not a huge network, but it was enough that when I launched my company, uh, there were, there was kind of notoriety there. There was a, a, a trust that was already 
in place. There was an understanding of who I was as a person and it brought me some opportunities right away. And that was really, really valuable. So what I would say to entrepreneurs is this one building your network is incredibly important and it's never been easier. I mean, it's, it's essentially free to do on social media, on LinkedIn, with, when you engage, when you intentionally spend time on social media, some people feel like they're wasting time on social media and you certainly can't waste your time on social media. But if you're intentional about engaging with the right people, with the kind of people that you want to work with, that your solution solves their problems and you truly engage, meaning you comment on posts, you like posts, you make connections, you um, whatever those things are, that's incredibly beneficial to um, your ability to launch uh, your company and to be successful right out of the gate. So that's number one. Number two is this. When you think about brand. Brand is really just your reputation. It is what people think about you when they see your logo or hear your name or, you know, it comes up. And so it's all about building that reputation. And here's what I know about the, the human brain and about human psychology. People often engage with what they understand and ignore what they don't. So if we confuse people, we're going to lose. If we have clarity in our message of what we're doing, and that's a part of brand building, then we're going to win. People don't buy the best products. They buy the products that they understand the most. Let me give you a really clear example. We're going to be political here for just a second. If I went back to 2016 and I said, hey, what did, what did uh, you know, Jeb Bush want to do for the country in 2016? Most people can't answer that question. What did Chris Christie want to do for the country? Right? What did Marco Rubio want to do for the country? What did Ted Cruz want to do for the country? A lot of people can't answer those questions. But if I said, what did Donald Trump want to do for the country? Everybody would say, make America great again. And so that is a classic example that Donald Trump might not have been the best politician. And whether he did a good job or a bad job, that's not for this discussion. But he might not have been the best politician, but he was the clearest politician. Mm -hmm. You knew what he stood for. There was no confusion. Whether you liked him or not, you knew what he stood for. And so, again, that clarity is really important because people don't buy and don't engage with, with companies and products um, that they don't understand. They buy and engage from the ones that they understand. So brand is really important and messaging is really, really important. People buy based on what they hear, or what they read. The words matter. So you mentioned some throughout that, but what are some characteristics of what you would consider a strong brand? Yeah. So again, I, th I think there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, obviously there's the, the aspect of the, the presentation, the artwork, the colors. I mean, when you think about brand, you really need to think about what's truly going to represent you. Here's something that a lot of companies don't know is that blue is a color of trust. Blue and a cool color is a, is a color of calm. It's actually something that invites people in. Red sometimes is a little bit more of a domineering type of a, a color. Think of Tiger Woods on Sunday, intimidation, like power color. And so some people might think, oh, I want the red. I want the power and the intimidation. No, no, you want, you want to make people comfortable and feel like they trust you, right? So thinking about your logo and the color schemes that you use, those things are all important. But most importantly, it's, it's really important the words that you use to represent your brand, the messaging, the story that you're telling. And in short, what I tell people is this, and this is what I, I do a lot of my work with, is helping companies to craft their story. A lot of people think when you say craft your story, it's going to be talking all about you. But it's not. It's about positioning yourself as a true guide who has empathy and authority to help a customer solve a problem. You make that customer, that prospect, the hero who has a problem, and then you are the guide who can solve it. And that invites them in. But if you're just promoting yourself as the hero, a story can't have two heroes. So if the customer's the hero and the company's the hero, they don't have a reason to interact with one another. 
because stories never have two heroes. They only have one hero and one guide. And so again, the messaging and how you position yourself, incredibly critical. And I would say probably more important than anything when it comes to your brand. And then the third thing I'd say is consistency. You want to be consistent about your messaging. You can't do a 30 day blitz on social media and expect it to last forever. In fact, I would say this, um, consistency beats intensity every day of the week. If you're consistent in your messaging, if you're consistent in what you're sharing, uh, that's better than being really, it's like going to the gym. You go to the gym for nine hours today, you're going to be sore, but it's not going to make much of a difference. But if you go to the gym for 30 minutes every day this month, you're going to start seeing some changes. So that consistency always beats the intensity. And again, those are some elements that I would encourage people as they think about their brand, especially as a startup or a new entrepreneur. And it sounds like it's a lot about the process is what I'm hearing you say, right? So, I mean, if you're consistent with your process, you can find out pretty quickly where something may be broken and address it in a different way with that consistency, as opposed to, like you said, kind of giving it the blitz and then not really making a big difference. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think for entrepreneurs in general, this can be a real challenge because we tend to be kind of all over the place with ideas or, um, you know, we think we're, we have to be a little bit crazy to think that what we can do is actually going to work. And so having the discipline of being consistent with your content as an entrepreneur, especially a solopreneur, if you're doing it all yourself, it sometimes feels overwhelming. But just making sure that that's a consistent part of your day uh, is really, really beneficial. And I've seen that, you know, in my career so far, I certainly don't do it all right, but I've seen a lot of benefits from being consistent and trying to figure this thing out. Good stuff. So, so you, we kind of, kind of mentioned some of the, um, what I would say, maybe the con common branding mistakes, right? The color might not be suitable. It may or may not be, but so that's important. But what are some other common mistakes that you just see on maybe companies that aren't even looking for improvement, right? They're just, they, they're out there. What are some common mistakes? Okay. So here's one that is really apropos right now, because we're in trade show season, especially in, in the logistics and transportation industry is swag. So a lot of companies will start thinking about, well, we need to have some swag. We need to have something to hand out. We need to put our logo on something, but then they look at their budget and go, ah, but we only have, you know, 5,000 bucks to work with here. And then they go and they find, you know, a cheap, you know, something or other and put their, their, their logo on it. And then they start passing them out. Those things always end up in the trash. And what I would tell people is, you know, swag really tells the story of your company and what you truly value. So um, I would say this, it's better to have no swag at all and don't pass anything out than to have bad swag right? because Ooh. bad swag tells something about your company. Think about this. If you provide something that is um, a high quality item, like a really nice polo or a really nice like travel bag for uh, cords. Cause a lot of times when people travel, they, their cords are all over the place now because they take so many cords with us. If you find something that's, that's really well, well, like high quality, really well designed, like it's something useful that people are actually going to use. All right. And it looks good. Then you've got a good piece of swag. And I tell people this, would they take it with them on vacation? When they're packing their bag to go on vacation, would they look at your item and go, yep, that's got to go. That has to come with me. And if you can hit that level with your swag, now you're giving out something that people are going to use and it's actually going to do its job, which is keep your company front of mind. So if you give a, if you got a, if you got a, if you give out a pin, don't give out a crappy pin, give out a really good pin that people want to use all the time that they covet, that they are never going to let anybody touch. And they're going to look at it all the time. And it's going to, they're going to see your, your brand. It's also going to talk about the value of your brand. You guys are a high quality brand. You guys care about, what you're giving out to people. You actually want to help people. People don't think about swag in those terms. I think that's a huge mistake. 
if you don't have the budget for swag, don't buy any swag. It's better than bad swag. So that's my, that's one of my pet peeves and a big lesson about, you know, brands, especially early on. So what's some uh, examples of some good swag that maybe you've seen or received or you thought, wow, that's really awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll actually show you one. So this is probably the best piece of swag that I've probably ever been given. Okay. And this came from uh, lean solutions in our industry, but it is a, just a simple bag. And in this bag, when I travel, everything is organized. Wow. So yeah, it's great. And so you better believe that every time that I pack my backpack to go on a trip, this comes with me every time. All right. So I probably use that piece of swag more than any other piece of swag that I've ever been given. But there's a lot of other good things as well. There's mints. I got my good friend Blythe Brumleaf. She gives these out at conferences because you definitely don't want to have bad breath at a conference. So she gives these out. So these go with me as well. And her logo's on that. So that's a good piece of swag. My friends over at Freight Vana have come up with a really cool hat, like high quality um, hat uh, that they give out. And again, I take that with me on vacation. I wear it when I go play golf and I'm, I'm sporting their logo. People are like, whose logo is that? I'm like, oh, it's Freight Vana. But I want to wear it because it's such a nice hat. Um, things like coffee mugs, like a really nice coffee mug. Oh, there's a nice hat right there. Look at that. Would Let me you grab wear one this? of those. Uh, <laughs> maybe not on the golf course. I love it though. That's a huge hat. That's cool. Um, but coffee mugs, like a really nice coffee mug. Cause a lot of people have coffee mugs sitting around their desk. Like what are people going to use over and over again? And if it's a really, you know, well designed item, they're going to want to hold on to it. If it looks ugly, of course, they're going to throw it in the bin with the other ones or not use it at all. So uh, those are good. Water bottles are great, which again, promotes health. So a really nice water bottle. Here's the water, bo water bottle that we created from Word on the Street. This is a metal water bottle. And um, it's just it's just a, a great item. It's a high quality item. And it's like, okay, well, that's a great item as well. Our friends over at ArcBest, um, they have some of the best water bottles in the industry. In fact, you go to an event and ArcBest has water bottles and people are running to get one of those things. So because they're high quality. So again, some of those types of really practical things are, uh, are great pieces of swag. There's many others. Again, like I said, a really good pen. Uh, um, I, I got this other one that I thought was really cool for my friends over at SPI Logistics. It's actually in my travel bag now because when I'm on the road, it's nice to have this. But this is, a, this is a, phone, a phone stand, but it also doubles as a watch charger and um, uh, AirPods charger. So it charges on the phone. So you can put your phone up there. You can put your watch up here and you can put your AirPods down here and it charges. So like on the road, this is a, this is a game changer for me. I just put this down. I put all my stuff in there and it charges and it's one cord instead of three. So like, this is a really cool, really well thought out piece of swag. So again, if you, if you think about that, like just think about what are the things that people use when they're out on the road or people, what do people use in their office space? What are they going to use over and over? And to me, those are the best things. I will say I've got some um, probably about five high quality chip clips that my family uses on a regular basis. And we also have some low quality quality chip clips that stay in position and no one ever picks those up. I might as well just throw them away, right? Right, right. That's exactly right. So from that perspective, like your family is learning about this brand, right? And so you put those around the office. I mean, a lot of offices still have, uh, you know, a kitchen or uh, places to relax. And you got those clips around there that, that work really well. Again, if it's a well thought out, high quality item, useful, practical item, people are going to use it. And the whole point is that they use it so they keep seeing your brand. So right. be really thoughtful about your swag. Awesome. So let's transition to what I call the tap five. This is where I'm going to ask you five questions and in one word or one sentence 
give me your best answer. And they're in no particular order and you didn't have time to study for these. So this is going to be great. <laughs> All right. I'll do my best. All right. So the first one is what is the worst branding ad advice that you've ever heard or you've heard someone receive? Worst branding advice. Oh, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that I've heard like the worst branding advice, but what I would say is if you, if you don't, if you, I'll say this, if you build a website and you don't have somebody in your company and in your industry helping you with the messaging, it's going to be a disaster because the words matter. So it's like language. Like when you play basketball or when you do something where there's like an inside vernacular, everybody inside knows when an outsider comes in. You just, it's clear as day when somebody's not talking the right language. And so to me, again, because the words are so important, I mean, if, if you're, if you're, you're using a website building or website company and they don't know your industry, that's a major problem for your brand. And people are going to know it. The people inside the industry are going to read your website and be like, these people don't, they don't know what we're talking about. They don't know what we well, do. They don't understand this. Where, where that's powerful, in my opinion, too, is where, you know, I'm on the insurance, commercial insurance side. So we know or, or I, my clients are aware when someone calls them who is just getting in the industry but doesn't speak the language in a right. way that we right. understand. So, yeah, it creates so a level, level of comfort if somebody knows, and it creates a level of discomfort or distrust when somebody doesn't. I mean, it's just, it, it seems like a no-brainer, but there's so many companies that hire their cousin to build their website or hire somebody else that they know or a company that just reached to them out of the blue. That company doesn't know the industry, you know, and it's just, it becomes very, very clear. So on the flip side, what is probably the best branding advice you've ever received or, or given? I'm going to go back to the advice that I got in high school and you probably got the same thing from a coach at some point or whatever. And it really is about simplicity. Keep it simple, stupid. The more you can keep it simple and understandable, the better it is. Let me give you an example. There was a guy who had a website and he was a painter and on his, on his website, when you went to it, the very beginning of it, he talked about all the awards that he'd won and all the, you know, like all the different things he can do using this, this, this technical language and just talking, trying to talk about it a lot. And uh, one, one marketer said, Hey, do you think that you'd get more business if we just put, I paint all kinds of shit. Do you think you'd get more business? And this is in front of a crowd of people. This is at a conference. And everybody in the crowd said, yep, raise their hand and went, yep, that would do it. Because we tend to overthink things. We tend to think we have to explain everything. We've got to show the whole process. We've got to, we've got to show how much we know. We've got to use big words. No, no. Keep it simple. Keep it super easy so that when somebody comes to your website or somebody reads your email or somebody comes to your LinkedIn profile, they know right away what you do. It's clear. It's super simple. Again, if you confuse, you'll lose. If you provide clarity, you're going to win. Yeah. You know, I'll say one of my problems just in general is overthinking, right? Thinking about you it and the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, it's trying common. to reinvent the wheel. And so, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, you can't confuse anyone whenever you're simple. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just clear. Even yeah, and our brains are not designed to, to deal with complexities. Like our brains want simplicity. You know, mm -hmm. when we have to burn fewer calories to understand something, that's, that's a good thing. So keep it simple. In fact, keep it too simple to where, you know, people may have questions about, well, how do you do it? Cause that brings them in. You don't have to explain everything on the first date. Yeah. And also I've heard, you know, if, from a court of law perspective, if there's not, if the jury doesn't have clarity, they've got confusion, right? That's where you really see some nuclear verdicts or nuclear settlements. And 
you, you just don't want there to be any any confusion. So yes. Yep. All right. So number three, what have you learned about yourself from being a girl dad? <laughs> from being a girl dad, um, that the things that I like don't really matter. <laughs> you know. Um, I'm not going to say that again for the audience in the back. I mean, yeah. yeah. You, you, uh, I, well, here, I'll, I'll say this. I think this is just my personal take. I think that God uses marriage and parenting as the two primary vehicles to make us more like Jesus. And let me tell you why. When you become a spouse, it's no longer about just you. There's now someone else in the equation who has desires, who has needs, who has challenges uh, that you have to tend to. They have to care about if you want this to actually work. You can't just spend money the way you want and go where you want to go and do all those things uh, the way you used to as a single adult. So you have to become more of a servant. And then and then people say, oh, have kids. They're cute. They're great. And then you have them and realize now you're even a greater servant because now you're cleaning up poopy diapers and you're holding them and you're you're clothing them and you're bathing them. And they can't help at all for years. And you lose sleep and it's expensive. Like it's all about thinking about someone else. And so I guess the, the best thing I've learned about being a, a dad in general, but a girl dad is that, you know, my, my desires don't really matter uh, that much. And that it's really important that I embrace what they care about. And so early on, it was painting fingernails and dancing and uh, some of those types of things. Sing, we do a lot of singing around our house, a lot of musicals around our house, which I do enjoy a lot of that kind of stuff. But, you know, when, when I think about taking my, my daughters on dates, um, I took my daughter to the gym the other night because I, I wanted to go to the gym. I said, hey, come to the gym with me. Let's shoot some baskets. And that that, that was good for about 15 minutes. And then she's like, can we go? <laughs> and it was just a reminder that, you know what? I need to ask her what she wants to do and really dive into that and um, and just be all in on that. And I think the other thing, too, is you realize you're never going to be a perfect parent. Nobody is. Nobody has it figured out. I just have to keep doing the best I can. You know, when I find a deficiency, when I find a mistake, try to correct it so that my daughters have the best chance of being as healthy as possible when they leave our house, knowing that they're probably gonna have to go to counseling someday to work out the problems. But, mm -hmm. um, but hopefully we get as much right as we can. So better every day, right? Trying to, yeah, trying to. Awesome. All right. So the next one is, do you have a life verse from scripture? And if so, what is it? So my favorite verse from scripture is Hebrews ten fourteen. And uh, depending on the translation, basically what it reads is this for by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being made holy. And when I break that down, I love it because it is the gospel in one verse mm -hmm. for by one sacrifice, Jesus coming and sacrificing his life for us in, in our place. He has made perfect forever. That means that our status eternally is perfect in the eyes of God because we get Christ's righteousness. But then it says those who are being made holy, which talks about the present, which is this journey that we are on to continually become more and more like Jesus. So it's this incredible kind of word, you know, word picture and dynamic of what Jesus has done for us, something that we couldn't do for ourselves. The status that we now get as a result of that, which we didn't earn, we don't deserve, but also the process and the journey that we're on, which creates humility to know I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect, even though God sees me that way eternally. And from a judgment perspective, I still have a lot of work to do to participate in this thing, to become holy, to be made holy. There's a sanctification process. There's a journey that's involved. So that's my favorite verse in the Bible, because I feel like it shares the gospel and it shares my journey on this planet. And, and again, I go back to better every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's all. That's awesome. Okay. So last one, and I'm not saying this is the most heavily weighted question, 
Um, but you're, I'm feeling like it might be at this point, just the fact you said that, uh, but it doesn't, but it does. Uh, but who is the greatest professional wrestler of all time? (laughs) Well, okay. This is going to be controversial. I'm sure. Um, so growing up, um, the two that I remember the most, and maybe because they branded themselves the absolute best, but the two I remember the most is the macho man, Randy Savage. Uh, probably because I like Slim Jims too. So I always love the commercials. <laughs> so I, I liked him and Hulk Hogan. Uh, you know, so my dad was, we watched a little bit of wrestling, you know, father, son kind of stuff. We did that, watched a little WWF back in the day. And, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan to me was always, you know, just a really entertaining kind of a guy and uh, very charismatic. And I know that there's others out there that people would say, I can't believe you didn't mention this person, that person, but those are the two that I remember the most. And so if I had to pick between the two, I'm probably going to pick, I'm probably going to pick Hulk Hogan just because I think that he um, was a little more universally uh, appreciated. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage had, I think, kind of a lane that he played in, and I liked it, but I'd probably go with Hulk Hogan. So don't don't LinkedIn, at me. Don't don't come at me on this. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> His LinkedIn is – I'm just kidding. Uh, but the – what was it about Hulk Hogan's brand – we're talking about brands, right – that drew you in? What attracted you? to him and his brand. Yeah, I think, I think it was probably just his willingness to be um, pretty vocal and have fun and be entertaining. He'd always rip his shirts off, you know, and uh, just seemed like, uh, I don't know, he seemed like he was really into entertaining, um, having a lot of fun. He seemed like he was great with, uh, with fans. I don't know. There's just something about it that, that, uh, that drew me in. So do do something for me and for the audience, if you don't mind, give us your best Hulk Hogan impression. Oh, yeah. That was like a Randy Savage. Well, kind of, kind of. Yeah, it was kind of a mix. Yeah, because Macho (laughs) Man had that kind of different voice. and You like them both, so that's fine. I do. I like them both. I don't know. So maybe that was a terrible impression. I don't know. Maybe I got it wrong. but No, we'll roll with that because that's what came out. Both of them, that's awesome. (laughs) Hey, man, thank you so much for for joining me. I, I loved it. I hope you'll come back in the future. Tell our listeners how they can connect with you what platforms you're on and whatever information you can give them. So that way they can reach out. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. And I appreciate the opportunity to share the few nuggets that I've been learning along the way. So thank you for that. As far as getting to know me or getting connected with me, probably the fastest way is through LinkedIn. You can connect or follow with me or send me a DM. I still check those and respond to every one of those. Or to learn more about our company, visit us at betaconsultinggroup.com. That's B-E-T-A consultinggroup.com. To learn about our services and right there on the homepage, you can click on a link that schedules a 15-minute intro call with me. We can get to know each other, learn more about your company, and see if there's a chance to do some business together. Awesome. Trey, it was a pleasure. I can't wait to see you out and about or get you back on another show, another episode. Uh, Thank you for what you're doing, and I appreciate you being uh, a leader courageous and game-changing in our industry uh, and being bold for the sake of Christ. Thank you. Thanks, Bonnie. Appreciate it.